And what right. happens is the, the sugar, the glucose that's in the food, mm -hmm. because it's not getting converted into energy, it builds mm -hmm. up in your blood. Right. So that's what they're testing for when they do the finger prick blood test. Right. If, the, if, you're not got any, if you've not got any insulin, sugar levels build up and up and up in your blood. And sugar that's not converted mm -hmm. is actually poisonous to your body. So your body's trying to get rid of it, which hence the thirst and the going to the toilet a lot because your body's right. trying to flush all this sugar out of its system. And the sugar that's poisonous to your body, it's, it turns your blood acidic. So starve to death or have your body turn acidic from the inside out, one of those ways is gonna kill you. My name is Nick Nagarko and you are locked into Culture TV. For the culture, by the culture. Let's go. What's happening, Natalie? It's good. How's Hi. it going, Nick? Thank you for letting me come and check out your space. Yeah, man. well, thank good. you. So, Natalie, you are, what's the best way to describe this? You are a <laughs> diabetes consultant and activist. Yes. Right, tell me what that is. So, um, I kind of fell into it. I'm yeah. a type 1 diabetic myself. So, um, I didn't know anything about type 1 diabetes when I was diagnosed. I don't know anything about type 1 diabetes apart from the very little bits that I've read. Do you know what? Most people don't because it's so rare compared to type 2. There's yeah. like 2 million type 2s yeah. in the country, in the UK, and about 400,000 type 1s. Yeah, my stepdad's a type 2. One of my best mates, he's a type 2. Everyone's a type. Well, not everyone's a type 2. Yeah, but... and, and the, the media don't differentiate when they talk to you about it. So you'll see headlines that say things like, oh, diabetes can be cured by diet. No, yeah. type two diabetes can be cured by diet. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. Right. So talk, um, talk me through what a type one diabetic is. So um, type one diabetes is actually completely different to type two diabetes. Okay. The only reason they're both called diabetes is because they both affect <clears throat> blood sugar levels. Okay. But type one diabetes is an autoimmune condition. So it's a bit like lupus, psoriasis, okay. or, you know, it's just unfortunate. Yeah. You're, you're, you have a, a virus or a flu or a shock to the system and you're- And are you born a type one diabetic? So there's a lot of theories that you're born with a, a predisposition to being it. And okay. then it's, it's a, activated by a trigger. That's why most type one diabetics are diagnosed at a young age in childhood. Yeah. Because most people have had a trigger by the right. time they're four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Um, but it's possible to be diagnosed at any age. I was diagnosed at 20. Right. So, and what was your trigger? Um, I had a flu-y type virus, I think. I don't really remember because you don't pay attention, do you? You get a flu, you're like, oh, I've got mm -hmm. a flu. And then I started losing weight. Right. And it was probably a month or two later that <laughs> I went to see some family and they thought I was anorexic. I was very, very, I lost about three and a half stone in a month or two. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so they were telling me, oh, you've got to go and see the doctor, you've got an eating disorder. Yeah. And I was like, no way, what are you talking about? I've got an eating disorder, you're mad. Yeah. Never in a million years would I have thought it was, I didn't know the symptoms of type one. I didn't know about the losing weight. I, and no one in my family had it. I didn't mm -hmm. know anyone who had it. So it was the last thing on my mind, but yeah. they, lo and behold, I go to a GP and they went, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm, I'm all right, I'm a bit thirsty. And she went, ah, okay, give me your finger. And she took a little finger prick blood test and, um, my bloods were sky high. I mean, they should be between four and seven. So this is what I don't, so can you explain that to me? So I've seen like, so my friend who's a type two tests his blood. Yeah. So what are they testing the blood for? They're basically um, insulin, which mm -hmm. is what diabetes is all about. Yeah. It's a hormone that your body produces and it's basically acts like a key. Yeah. So insulin is what converts everything that you eat and drink into energy and fat. Okay. Now you need energy and fat, not just to run and 
play sports and things, but you need energy for your brain to work, for your lungs to breathe, yeah. your heart to beat. Yeah, and all kidneys, of your, your liver, body, yeah, everything. And it's so um, without sugar, well, which gets turned into energy, you're going to die. So with type one diabetes, you've stopped producing insulin altogether. So no matter what you eat. So in a nutshell, so correct me if I'm wrong. So let's say you eat a sandwich. Yeah. The insulin that your body produces breaks down part of that food to convert it into either sugar or fat. Yeah. The sugar is then used to create energy. Yeah. And the, the fat, fat is stored as energy for later. Right. So the fat's your storage. The sugar is your energy that you need immediately. Well, I mean, it all gets broken down into sugar. It all yeah. gets broken Eventually. down into, into glucose. Yeah. But it just depends. If you use the glucose, it's energy. If yeah. you don't use it, it gets stored away. It's fat. Okay. So, but that the insulin is the hormone that your body naturally produces. Exactly. And everybody does it automatically. Yeah. And your insulin will be produced in exactly the right levels for the food that you eat. Your body does it without What thinking. part of the body produces insulin? Um, it's produced in uh, cells called islet cells, which are in your pancreas. Right. Which is an interesting point because there are some people in the world who've had things like pancreatic cancer and have their pancreas removed. And so by default, they then become diabetic. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there are other ways that you can become diabetic as well as, um, you know, j just being unlucky. Yeah. But basically, without insulin, everything you eat and drink will just go straight through you and you'd eventually starve to death. So, wow. So basically, it doesn't take anything out of it without that insulin. Without, without insulin. that insulin. And what right. happens is the, the sugar, the glucose that's in the food, mm -hmm. because it's not getting converted into energy, it builds mm -hmm. up in your blood. Right. So that's what they're testing for when they do the finger prick blood test. Right. If, the, if, you're not got any, if you've not got any insulin, sugar levels build up and up and up in your blood. And sugar that's not converted mm -hmm. is actually poisonous to your body. So your body's trying to get rid of it, which hence the thirst and the going to the toilet a lot because your body's right. trying to flush all this sugar out of its system. And the sugar that's poisonous to your body, it's, it turns your blood acidic. So starve to death or have your body turn acidic from the inside out, one of those ways is going to kill you. Wow. So you were 20, you found out you were type 1 diabetic, then what? Um, wow. <laughs> the, then what was a blur, yeah, because... I've been told you get to 20 years old and you're just about figuring out who you are, right? Mm -hmm. So like 20 years old, I was ready to be um, a performer, dancing. I was doing all this, that and the other. Yeah. And it all just felt like it got ripped away from me because mm -hmm. I couldn't control my blood sugars very well. I kept passing out from low blood sugars, which is from having too much insulin or doing too much exercise or not enough food. And um, I just so, gave so up on- So explain I, that to me then. So- um... Yeah, we've talked about one side. Let's talk yeah. about the other side. So a high blood sugar, I've explained it to you. That's what happens when you don't have any insulin at all. Yeah. But when you are on insulin after you're diagnosed, insulin, you, there's a very minuscule difference between the amount of insulin that keeps you alive and the amount that can kill you. Either way, you can die. It's like walking a tightrope. Too low, too high. It's dangerous. Right. So if you go too low, and this can happen from accidentally having too much insulin, mm -hmm. not having enough food for the insulin that you've had, or um, doing a lot of exercise, hmm. doing more exercise than normal. If your blood sugars drop low and suddenly the insulin has sapped all of the sugar out of your blood and there's nothing left, you pass out because there's nothing left. There's literally no energy left in you. The sugar's all gone. So what do you do? Have to eat something at that so point? So then you have to eat. So it's constantly eat insulin, eat insulin. Like and you, how do you know where you're at within that? Which, you know what? For a long time, it was really difficult because finger prick testing... You either, you can't physically do it every five minutes. You'd have no fingers left. Yeah. 
Um, so you're really relying on your sense of how you feel. Like, oh, I think I'm a bit high. Test my blood. Well, yeah. I feel like I'm a bit low. Test my blood. So what does being low feel like? You start shaking, slurring your words, sweating. Right. You look like you're on drugs. Right. Because your body's shutting down. And, and how are you acting at this point? Probably like looking like you're on drugs or drunk or you right. can't get your words out. Your eyes are rolling so back in slower, your head. So you're, you're slower. You're not and, sharp. And, and what's the opposite end of that? What, what's being too much? What's too the, high. You yeah. just feel very sick, very tired. Being too high, you can get away with that for a little bit longer. You mm -hmm. can get away with it without the immediate risk of death. <clears throat> and but you it, go low. It normally, will it come down on its own? No, you'd have to have a lot of water, a lot of insulin, maybe try and get out for a walk and right. bring your blood sugars down that way. But you wouldn't be able to eat in that time because you just send your blood sugars higher. So that's, wow. that's frustrating. And then if you're too low, mm -hmm. you need to get as much food, sugar, glucose inside you as quickly as possible before you pass out and choke on it. Right. Fuck. So, and the, the really weird thing for me is personally, when I'm low, I go off food. Like when I'm low, it's the last thing that I want to do is eat or drink. And that's actually the and best that's, thing. And that's the only, that you have to or you die. So wow. I'm sat there once and one of my friends, I'm going low. They can see I'm going low. They bring me a can of full fat Coke. Now that's a bad idea anyway. I prefer an orange juice. I just hate the taste of full fat original Coke. Yeah. Anyway, they, they brought it over I to do. me. I do, it makes it's, your teeth feel yeah. like, like it's got fur on it. Exactly. So yeah. I'm, I'm not keen anyway, but my brain's going because I'm going low and I see my friend approaching me with this Coke and I just batted it out of her hand. I was like, I'd rather die. <laughs> really? Then drink the full fat Coke. Yeah. Wow, this yeah. is such a shit advert for Coca-Cola. I would rather die than drink Coca-Cola. That is terrible, See, isn't it? Who was it that did it the other day? He removed the bottle of water. Ronaldo. Ronaldo, Ronaldo wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go, I'm yeah. on Ronaldo levels. <laughs> Ronaldo levels, yeah. So, but it's literally as, as serious as that then? It's you... as serious as that. And that's the thing that I think is the message that really needs to get driven home because the average age for diagnosis of type one is less than 10 years old. You know, this right. is something that kids get or mm. even born with, you right. know, a few months old, they can get it. And anytime you go to sleep, you go out to play, you, you know, you're doing exercise, you're running around at school, whatever it is, mm. there's a risk you could drop low and die. And mm. I think people need to be very aware. Like I said, I happen to look quite drunk when I'm going low and I've walked into <laughs> shops just wanting to buy an orange juice or something to get me back up. And mm. they've kicked me out of the shop because really? they think that I'm on drugs. Wow. You know, luckily for me, I've had friends with me on those occasions who've stormed in and, and given the yeah. shopkeeper a, a harsh word. But, yeah. you know, education and people being aware could save somebody's life. How many type one diabetics are there in the UK? About 400,000. So That's it's quite, quite a lot. It's rare compared to type two. So 400,000 people, only 70 million people in the country. Half a million people. Yeah. And it's getting, and there's more. Like, it's becoming more and more. It's I don't know. One in 140 people are type 1 diabetic. Yeah. Quick maths. Hey, look at that. <laughs> look at that. You're in the wrong profession. I know, yeah. <laughs> Fuck this media game. What am I doing? I should be an accountant. You should be like on <laughs> countdown or something. Oh, I hate accounting. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, so that's that's still quite a lot of people, though, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's still quite a lot of people for people to not be aware. Mm. I think that's the real issue. And the other issue is that, um, like we said, the information that is out there, mm. a lot of it is bad information, misinformation. Right. So 
Um, one of the things that I really get frustrated about is the memes, mm. things on Instagram, or you see somebody, they've gone to Starbucks and they've got this triple unicorn frappuccino thing with marshmallows mm -hmm. and they put hashtag diabetes. Yeah. And I get so, so angry. <laughs> yeah, what, what, so what, I never, maybe I'm just a bit thick, but I never quite understood these memes. Yeah, so, so I obviously mean, I know it's going to give you a huge sugar rush, but it's not going to give you type one diabetes. It, could it, it give you type two diabetes? Potentially, <clears throat> um, regularly. looking not looking after yourself, having things like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or being overweight can contribute to type two. Okay. Um, not to say that everybody who gets to type two has had one of those things, but. They're definitely things that, you know, you should be aware of. If, if So an unhealthy lifestyle essentially is going gonna, is gonna to bring you closer to that brink. To, of, to type two, but not yeah. type one. Type right. one is an autoimmune condition. It's literally just <coughs> bad luck. Right. And um, to perpetuate these myths that somehow or another you've brought it on yourself mm -hmm. is one thing if you're dealing with adults. But like yeah. I said, if you're dealing with children and you're telling them that like, they deserve this condition because they've brought it on themselves because no, they've eaten, that's absolutely disgusting. And it, it triggers people's mental health. Mm -hmm. And when you've got a poor mental health, mm -hmm. you're not going to look after yourself. And yeah. looking after yourself is on a daily basis, 24 seven, it's absolutely crucial if you yeah. have type one diabetes. So what what is it what what is a typical day like for you with, with, with type one diabetes? Um, I think it's safe to say there's no typical day. Right. You could do the same thing two days in a row and get totally different results. Really? Yeah. So you can't formulate this? No. It's um, when I was first diagnosed, I was told food makes your blood sugars go up, insulin and exercise make your blood sugars go down, and that's it. Um, and what we've realized more recently in the last few years with research is there are actually 48 factors that can impact your blood glucose levels and a lot 48 of them 48 48 and a lot of them are very unquantifiable it's things like the heat so for me and 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 to make it even more complicated every diabetic has a different reaction so in heat my blood sugars drop right how do you quantify for that how do you go oh i'm x amount hot i need to have x amount less insulin right now you can't some other diabetics, the heat makes their blood sugars rise. So do you have to look at the sugar content in food? Yeah, all the time. And do maths and do serious maths. Say it, not quick maths. Not, not quick maths. <laughs> not Calculator quick, maths. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was never, maths wasn't my strong point. So like, let's say you go on a night out. Yes. How does that work? Okay, so I'm going on a night out. Can you drink? Uh, first of all, you can drink, but you need to be very aware that alcohol has a completely unique effect that no other food or drink has, mm -hmm. which is that initially your blood sugars will rise from the sugar content, but late alcohol itself has a delayed effect that makes you drop later. So there've been lots of examples of young people going out, mm. drinking, going to bed at a normal level, and then dropping in their sleep and not waking up. So- That's fucking scary. Ideally, if you go out drinking, you wanna go to bed high. You wanna go to bed higher than at a healthy level because you are gonna drop in your sleep. Right. So food is, is key. Not drinking on an empty stomach. I mean, that's normal for, for most people, but yeah. especially for diabetics. Right. You start making yourself sick. You yeah. can't control your blood sugars. So. So, how, so how would you, like, how would that work for you? Let's like, say so you, you're going out on a night out. Going out on a night out, you've got to make sure you've eaten something beforehand. And how much can you drink? Can you drink as, like, as much as your friends or? No, I mean, you could, but you're putting yourself at risk if you're yeah. doing that. If you're not in a any fit state to see what your blood sugars are yeah. or what, or if you pass out. Yeah. And so would you have to be injecting on your night out? 
yeah, most people would have to be injecting. I wear an insulin pump now. I've got a monitor here and I've got a pump here. So, so yeah, I was gonna, so, so, so how does that, so how does that work? So these stuff, honestly, I'm like full cyborg. I'm full right. Terminator with this stuff. Okay. You can like. Show, uh, which camera can we get this which? on? Yeah. Right, so this is my insulin pump. Yeah. This um, replaces injections. Okay. So I put one of these on, I fill it with insulin. That's got a three day reservoir of insulin. I stick it on, it shoots a little cannula into my leg. Right. And then that delivers my insulin constantly and I can tune it to go up or down depending and on. How do you do that? So I do that with my phone. Right. What, that's connected to your phone? That's connected to my phone and so is this. So this bit replaces the finger prick testing. Right. And this automatic, this has got another little filament that sits under my skin and this automatically sends a reading to my phone every five minutes. So between these two things, does it, does it, and so this says where your blood sugar's at. Yeah. That's your insulin. Yeah. And will this automate it? It doesn't, but I hacked it to do that. So these are two different companies and they haven't got there. They've not quite got there yet. They've that's not got incredible. to the point, but I hacked them. You so. should patent this hack. <laughs> I would, but it's off-label usage of other people's products. I can't. This is this is made I'm sure by. Sure, there's a loophole somewhere. This is a brilliant glucose monitor. This is called uh, a Dexcom. Uh, right. So you can just go on the app on your. Go phone. on the app, and if so my that blood is, sugar... that's in your skin now. That's yeah. That's got a filament under my skin. So I what's, changed... what's, a, what's a filament? It's a bit like um like a fiber optic. You know those fiber optic lamps with the like bendy plastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it shoots a needle in, and then so the needle retracts. No. How long have you had that in for? This one's been on for a, a good few days. That lasts for 10 days at a time and that one lasts for three days at so a time. So how do you get, what do you just stick it in? Rip it off, stick a new one on, press the button. It sounds like a nail gun when it's going in. Other people get freaked out. I like does to- Does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, yeah, of course it does. It's yeah. a needle going in your skin, but it's one how of How big's the needle? About that big. How thick is it? Quite thick because it's got the cannula inside. So what it does is It's it, like a nail. And then it retracts and it leaves the plastic filament under your- under wow. your skin. So what it's what to slot back in for next time? No, that's it. You chuck that away and oh, then you right, but say like a You can't like reuse a, them. Like you a wall plug. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Now if they could give me like a three pin socket yeah. and I could just plug stuff into myself. And would... so does that leave a that leave a little mark every time yeah. I'm guessing? I am like a pincushion now, but it's swings and roundabouts. Yeah. You can either have lots of injection marks yeah. or you can have lots of pump marks and so, right, so that's your insulin. That's my insulin. That's your insulin. That's, that's, that's monitor. your monitor. Yeah. So these two things, they're not connected. They're two separate companies, but essentially the two apps on your phone, I've you can then it. say, right. So how have you hacked? Explain that to me then. So um, there's a group of people, type one diabetics who are much geekier than me, yeah. who worked out how to hack it. And they basically published the open source code online. Can you give it me so we can put in the description on this? Yeah. Right. So we'll put the, we'll do this because I think that's incredible. And do you know what the thing is? That's going to make. I'm guessing it makes life easier. Yeah, it does. And if you've got the know-how to take the open source code online and build your own app, do it. A hundred percent, do it. It's changed my life. Really? It's because I don't have to think about it so much. When my blood sugar starts Should to you rise, get alerts. Yeah, it from sets your phone. Off, it sets off alarms if I go too low and too high. That is sick. I'm like, yeah, I am like a walking cyborg. You really are. <laughs> wow. So. So that there. Yes. So what's in that then? Insulin. So that is full of insulin. And the reason why it can only be three days at a time, whereas that lasts 10 days at a time, it's just simply for size. Okay. You want to make it bigger to put more days worth of insulin and it's going to get bigger. Okay. And then you've got something massive attached to you. So. so you don't have to inject anymore? 
How long have you been doing this? I've been on my pump now since 2017. So oh, really? four years, yeah. And my glucose monitor, um, 2016, even longer. Wow. So, and, and I, ha- I hacked them about a year ago. And how has that changed? So previous to that, what was your life like? Because I'm guessing you'd be constantly injecting, testing, injecting. Constantly, like... How many injections a day? I'd test, I'd prick my fingers probably eight times a day and I would take anywhere between eight and 12 injections a day. Fucking hell. And it's a nightmare. It's like, imagine you go out to a restaurant and you're sat there. I like a jumpsuit. I'm a jumpsuit kind of girl. And you want to do an injection. Well, you most likely want to do it in your stomach or your thighs where you've got a nice bit of fat. And that's why you launched the brand. And that's why I launched the brand. Because I was sick of going to the loo in a restaurant or a bar and having yeah. to get half undressed yeah. so I could access my skin to do an injection. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quite confident. I'm ha- I'll happily sit at a table and yeah. do my injection in public. Yeah. And if someone wants to ask me a question, then yeah. great. You go to the toilet. It's not very nice, is yeah. it? You know, half the time it's just dirty in there then. yeah exactly in some club toilet or yeah some... someone puking in the toilet yeah, next yeah, to you yeah, or yeah. something so that's really made a big difference it's honestly changed my life and wow. i don't mind wearing these things i don't mind people asking me questions yeah to me it's um i, I guess i probably feel a similar way to this that women feel about their mm-hmm. um birth stretch marks and things yeah. like that's it's a badge of honor yeah, yeah these yeah. these are my war wounds yeah. like yeah because i suppose it will it will have it will have changed you as a person, won't it? You've had that for, what, over 10 years now? I've had it, gosh. Um, I've been diabetic for 14 years, 14 wow. and a half years, yeah. So over 14 years of having to manage this. And like you said, like we were saying, I think we were saying it off camera, uh, or we might have said it on camera, but it's basically a life or death, isn't it? Yeah. It's life or death. You don't have a choice. You know, people come up to me and say, oh my God, how do you inject yourself? I could never do that. Well, if you were going to die, you'd do it. So who gives you your insulin? Who gives me my insulin? So how do you, I'm I'm assuming you get that from the NHS. I do. I'm very, very lucky that we live in the UK and um, the NHS provides our insulin. Is that what that is there? Can I have a look at it? Yes, this is, I brought a little vial of insulin in for you. Now I get two, I probably get through two of those minimum a month. So it shows you actually how little volume of insulin you need it's a very small amount two of these a month yeah how much is in that 10 mils 10 mils so, so 20, 20 mils a month yeah so nothing that keeps, is it? keeps me alive wow it's crazy so how much would this cost the nhs that costs the nhs about 30 pounds a vial so about 60 quid a month you cost the nhs yeah and yeah. how much is is this in america hmm that's the real question. So in America... Because this is what I was reading about, uh, like yeah. AOC's been campaigning about this. This is a really, really difficult, horrible subject for me because I'm quite active in the diabetes community and a lot of my followers are American. And it's something I feel quite passionately about because in America, one of these vials will set you back a minimum $600. What? A vial, yeah. And $600? I Are you serious? That's a mortgage payment. For or this? Sometimes two mortgage payments. So... Um, and they've got to pay for it themselves. They've got to pay for it themselves, even if they have insurance, because the way that the American insurance system works is, um, even if you have insurance, you're paying your whatever, $60 a month for your insurance. Yeah. There's um, what's called a, a tip up, tipping point. Mm-hmm. So you have to have spent a minimum amount of your own money on your healthcare before the insurance kicks in. And that's usually about $800 a month. So right. you've had to have spent $800 plus your insurance fees before your insurance even kicks in. That is incredible in the worst possible way. Isn't it? 
isn't it? In fact, there was a really awful story a few years ago when um, Kylie Jenner was on the cusp of becoming the world's youngest billionaire. Yeah. That um, a group of people set up a GoFundMe page to help Kylie Jenner become the world's youngest billionaire. Yeah, I saw that. And um, people were donating to it. Yeah, bare people. It, they made her a billionaire. They made a lot of money on that GoFundMe. It was crazy. I'm not rich enough. Can people make me rich, please? Okay, yeah. how much do you want? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. like. But at the, same, the, the really sad thing was at the same time, there was a, an, a US army vet who was um, setting up a GoFundMe to raise money to cover his insulin that he couldn't afford. Really? And he, a US, so wait a minute. So a US army vet yeah. has put up a GoFundMe. Yeah. And he was a white man as well. Let me put that out there as well. He was yeah. like a non-offensive person. Yeah. Like so he's, a, <laughs> he's a all white American, yeah. US army vet, flag wearing, hero. war hero, yeah. died for his country, badge of honor, purple cross, can't afford insulin. And he died $50 short of making his total to get his insulin on GoFundMe. So what is he just one bottle, what for one bottle? He, mm -hmm. he was raising for one bottle. He was raising five hundred or something, six hundred dollars every month. I guess so. If he didn't have enough money, if he wasn't making enough money doing whatever it was that he did, or begging, or what I don't, whatever his situation was. That is incredible. Yeah. Again, in the worst possible. In the way. worst possible way. This is um, fucking hell. It's it's an absolute. So he died ten dollars short. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, and this is this is coming from you know the leader of the free world, America. Yeah. This is just what what why is it six hundred dollars? So there's a couple of reasons why this has been allowed to happen in America. It's mainly down to their laws. Mm -hmm. um, so there is no law at the moment against pharmaceutical companies um, price gouging. Mm -hmm. They can essentially price things at whatever they want. Yeah. And also in America. Um, producers of insulin, there's very no, not much competition. There's mm. basically Sanofi and Eli Lilly because insulin's very hard to transport. How is it made? Um, it's made, it's man-made, it's in a lab. It's not extracted from animals anymore like yeah. it used to be. Um, but you have to keep it refrigerated. It has a very short shelf life, unrefrigerated, okay. but it can't be frozen. So you couldn't put it in a hold of a plane because if it freezes and then defreezes, it's it doesn't work anymore. Right. So it's difficult to transport. So the lack of competition and the lack of law for price gouging in America has allowed that pharmaceutical companies that make insulin over there to just increase and increase and increase their prices. Their diabetics can't live without it, so they don't have a choice, they're paying for it. Um, but what's really particularly sad about it is that in 1920, when insulin was discovered, yeah. the two doctors who discovered it sold the IP, the, uh, their intellectual rights protection for a dollar because they said that insulin belonged to the people what pharmaceutical companies have done since is they change the recipe really slightly, tiny little like changes that don't actually affect what the thing does, yeah. but it means they can repatent it. Once they repatent it, they can sell it for whatever they like because they own the patent. That is crazy. That is crazy. They've got it all wrong over there, haven't they? There are people in America who are driving to Mexico <clears throat> and Canada to try and buy their insulin over the border. For example, in Canada, that yeah. would cost them about $21 for a vial instead of six to $900. It's like they're using the price, the, they're not looking at the value of the actual product. They're looking at the value to life and then pricing it according to that, Yeah. which is just immoral on every possible level. <laughs> it's the most disgusting. It's like dangling a carrot in front of, front of a starving person and saying, how much is it worth? Well, it's worth a lot more than 20p than it would, it would be if it was in the, in the supermarket because I'm starving and 
in the desert. It amazes me how patriotic <laughs> Americans still are. Because if that was us over here, we'd be going. Oh, there'd be riots. Yeah, absolutely. Brit- Brits would riot about that. We wouldn't stand for that. We we cuss the government for much less over yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, much much less. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Yeah, so um, that's absolutely insane. Insulin prices around the world—it's a really really touchy subject. It's something that's really important to me. Yeah. Um, like I said, most of the people diagnosed are, are babies. We're talking about lives of children here. So, let's say for example, if you're in a low-income household in in America, you're earning a family of four. You, you're bringing in a couple of thousand dollars a month or something in, in a low-income household and you've got a child who needs two bottles of this a month that's twelve hundred dollars you've got to then pay out every month yeah just to keep one child alive you've got eight hundred dollars left how much is your rent eight hundred dollars <laughs> do you know what yeah. i mean rent in america is not cheap even in the, even in middle america in the small states yeah there's no cheap rent in america no these wow. people end up homeless that's, they've just not got that system right, have they? they? They don't value their own citizens. How can they when they're doing things like this? They're valuing profits over people. They value capitalism first, don't they? Yeah. That yeah. is crazy. Yeah. So um, as if it wasn't difficult enough, you mm-hmm. know, dealing with something every day that takes a toll on your mental health, that you have to think about every decision that you make. You have to decide, oh, can I go here? Have I got enough insulin? And then add on to, to that as well. Yeah. These people who are concerned they can't even afford their insulin. Is there talk of a cure for type one diabetes? <laughs> it's um it's often joked about online because people every now and then say that five years there'll be a cure, mm-hmm. and you get people who pop up and say, "Oh yeah, they said that five years ago." Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really interesting research happening around the world right mm-hmm. now. Really, really like exciting. Like stem research. cells, I mean, like the stem cell research. Like stem cell research. Um, there's also a woman in America, in Massachusetts. Um, oh, what is her name now? Dr. Faustman, and she is um, doing some interesting research with the BCG vaccine. Okay. She's used concentrated doses of the BCG vaccine, the tuberculosis vaccine, um, in phase one human trials, and has cured. And I say yeah. cured because they're obviously trying to work out how long this this will last, but. She's given about three or four type one diabetics um, two or three years free of insulin. Really? Yeah. And they can just live normally? They can just live normally. Now, we've yet to find out if they're going to need to come back in for top-up BCG vaccines, how yeah. long this will last, if it will go back to normal. But So they were functioning type they, one diabetics previous. They've yeah. had this injection. Yeah. So that's essentially and a cure, right? That's essentially a cure. She's in phase two human trials. Um, Would you do it? I wished I was in America to do phase two. I would have gone on the trials. I totally would have Have you got done. to be an American citizen to do it? You had to be able to go back to Massachusetts every three months over a one or two year period. And they to... wouldn't pay you for that? No. Oh. No, I know. You're getting paid enough with the, with the jab. <laughs> but um, That's good news. That's exciting. The unfortunate thing is because she's in America and she was essentially going to potentially cure something that the pharmaceutical industry yeah, make a lot have, of money off. They'd have bought that right up. She didn't get any government funding or, um, you know, mainstream Just, fund. She got, she, she's done doing phase two human trials through private funders. Right. Wow. Good news though. Amazing news. Yeah. Amazing news. My dad's got Parkinson's disease and they, he's been, he's had it for a long time now. And it's like you're saying every five, they say it's five years away, it's five years away. And they've been telling my dad that for 20 years, it's five years away. But it's good to see that 
there is actually some breakthroughs. I mean, they got that COVID vaccine out pretty quick, didn't they? Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. That when they really want something to happen. When yeah, when you remove all the red tape and the bureaucracy, and it's profitable for the for the world to have a vaccine. Well, see, now <clears> this is the interesting point because um, in America, they were very quick, weren't they, to whip the IP rights off the COVID vaccine so that that could be distributed for free. Yeah. Because you need your people. Need you, need, you, you need your workforce, your citizens, yeah. exactly. But when it came to insulin, where they were thinking, well, we can actually, the workforce will keep themselves alive because they'll pay for their... Yeah. They're not taking away well, they're their... Not gonna, they're not going to swap $600 for a little bottle of insulin, insulin, twice a month, $1,200 a month, to cure someone for what, maybe a grand, two grand for the one injection? That's that makes it. no financial sense, does it? Exactly. In fact, there was an interesting um, slide at a Goldman Sachs uh, event recently, an investment banking event, which said, um, the slide headline was, is curing patients really profitable? Fucking hell. The world has just gone crazy, hasn't it? Yeah. And every possible level, like human life and morality and stuff like that, it, it's just got no value anymore. No. Not to the big capitalists, businesses and bankers. This is it. This is why... And they're running the world. They're making all the decisions that affect all... Why does every conversation people? I have end up being about the, <laughs> the umbrella companies well, that yeah. own the world? It does. It, yeah. Yeah. It's some, again, something I'm really passionate about. It's probably about a dozen companies that own every major yeah. brand in the world. And they're old companies. Yeah. You know what? We were, we were doing something the other day about uh, slavery and those companies that profited massively off slavery, you've never heard of them. No. But they still exist. And they own all the companies that you have heard of. Yeah. And they profited massively, massively off the reparations that yeah. they were paid yeah. for their loss of stock when slaves were taken off them. Not yeah. the slaves that were compensated, the slave owners. And then they that that figure was so much that we were still paying it off until 2015 in this country. Good God. Our taxes paid off these slave owning families. Wow. 2015, we paid off that that sum to them, and they've used it to develop these umbrella companies. Buying yeah. every every time a business starts to become big, mm -hmm. one of the big ones will buy them out. We'll buy them out. We'll buy them out, and they run the world. The same companies that are selling you fatty foods are selling you diet pills. It's fucking crazy, <laughs> isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. It, yeah. Oh, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's oh, been brilliant. Thank you for inviting me in. It's really nice. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>